His creation involved sending His Son to be our Savior. The long night of darkness was about to end. The light of God's salvation had come. We call this Christmas. It is often helpful to gain a new perspective on a well-known story, to see the familiar from a fresh angle, and by doing so, see the old account once again for the very first time. What? Have you never seen an angel? <laughs> I imagine if you thought that one day you might see one, this is not what you expected. <laughs> True, we are spirits, heavenly spirits. But when we have occasion to come into your world, we disguise ourselves as you. We become human beings. The Holy Scriptures, in your passage you call Hebrews 13, the living word of God says, don't forget to entertain strangers, because in so doing, some have actually entertained angels without even knowing it. Think of it. You're kind to a stranger, and you might be playing host to a heavenly guest. So I appear before you as one familiar to you, hoping not to scare you. Because usually when I show up, people freak out. I mean, a sudden angelic appearance is something that can be overwhelming, but don't worry about it. I, I've toned it down today. <laughs> this is toning it down. So as not to upset the children or, or people with pacemakers. <laughs> my name is Gabriel. And my purpose for being here is to recount Christmas from my viewpoint. Uh, an angel looks at Advent. I love that name, Advent. It means the coming. The name Christmas is okay, but Adviento, the coming of God into the world, God with us, ah, theos, maze mas, Whatever language you choose, it is beautiful to think that the Creator comes into His creation to save it. And that's what Christmas is all about. The Living Word, Book of Hebrews. Jesus was made a little lower than the angels. That's Christmas. So that He might taste death for every man. That's the cross and later be crowned with glory and honor. That's the resurrection, and that's the ascension, and that's what Christmas is all about. If you have a seriously sick friend in your world, maybe because of addiction, you call for an intervention, hoping to save that loved one from destroying themselves. Well, Christmas is a divine intervention. And God is hoping to save you from destroying yourself. 
We were actually created first at the very beginning. The living word, book of Job. When God laid the foundation of the earth and he marked off all of its dimensions, the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. At creation, we were all there and we were celebrating. That's one of our names, the morning stars, God's messengers. There are archangels and cherubim and seraphim. Radiant creatures, swift in movement, powerful in deed, fully devoted to God. Living Word, book of Hebrews. He makes his angels like the wind and his servants like flames of fire. Angels are often arrayed and clothed in dazzling apparel. I'm either an angel or I should be selling ice cream. <laughs> but our purpose is to bring glory to God. That's why we exist. And after creation, well, heaven wasn't doing so well. Following a period of remarkable bliss, there erupted a cosmic revolt. The son of the dawn, Lucifer, by name, rebelled against the king of heaven. The prophets Isaiah and Ezekiel tell us what happened. Oh, how you have fallen. Fallen from heaven, O oh, son of the dawn, morning star. You've been cast down to the earth. You were the model of perfection, filled with wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, in the garden of God, ordained and dressed with beautiful stones. You were anointed as a garden cherubim. You walked on the mount of God and among the fiery stones. You were blameless in all your deeds from the day you were created until wickedness was found in you. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above all the stars of God. I will set enthroned on the highest of the heights, on the sacred mountain. I will rise up above the top of the clouds. I will make myself like God. But you were brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. Violence filled your soul and you sinned, so I drove you out in disgrace from the holy mountain of God, and I expelled you from among the fiery stones. Your heart, once pure, became proud, your wisdom corrupt, and I threw you to the earth. The apocalypse book of the Revelation echoes the prophets. That great dragon, that ancient serpent called the devil and Satan, who leads the whole world astray, was hurled down to the earth and all his angels with him. So Lucifer, whose name means the brightness of light, 
became the prince of darkness. Banished from glory. Left to roam the waste places of the earth, a, a vagabond throughout the skies. And when he came down to this earth, he led the father of your race into corruption, Adam. And that's why you need to be rescued. Like the morning star, mankind was cast out of paradise, separated from the presence of God. God put cherubim in charge with a flaming sword of judgment sweeping from side to side so no one could come in to the place where there was the tree of life. Man was lost and needed to be rescued. But there was hope. In the garden, God gave a promise. And he made a covering. The promise had to do with the seed of the woman crushing the head of the serpent. And the covering? Garments of skin to cover man's shame. So our job became infinitely more difficult. We are special agents of God, administering his plan, the plan to rescue fallen man. We promote the glory of God. We protect the people of God. Living Word, Book of Hebrews. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? Did you know that angels are appointed to countries? Daniel 10. To churches? Revelation 2 and 3. And to people? Psalm 91. He commands his angels to guard you and to keep you in all your ways. So we promote the glory of God. We protect the people of God. And one other thing, we proclaim the good news of God. And that became my specialty, to proclaim the good news. My first assignment, according to the living word, was to a young Hebrew man who was a captive in Babylon. His name, Daniel. I appeared to Daniel as a man, appropriate for the time and for the culture. But when he saw me, he was entirely terrified and fell to the ground, and I had to pick him up. I was there to interpret Daniel's dream, the vision that he had seen that was troubling his soul. It was a vision of the monotonous cycle of the human race with one nation after another, replacing them and going deeper into a depravity, the emergence of a wicked ruler in the last days. All of this was so depressing to Daniel, and it is. Human history without God is very depressing. But then a few years later, Daniel was praying. He was praying that God would restore his people and rebuild his city, Jerusalem. And God sent me right away while Daniel was praying, and I arrived before he finished. I gave him the good news, God's calendar. Seventy weeks are determined upon your city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, and to bring in 
everlasting righteousness. And after the city is rebuilt, then the anointed one will come. Messiah will arrive. That's Christmas. And he will be cut off. That's the cross. And yet Daniel would have to wait hundreds of years before that would ever happen. According to your unreliable calendars, that was 2,568 years ago in 551 B.C. But I don't care about that. I don't do time. But 500 years is a long time to suffer before Messiah comes. Suffering from men. And there was no word from God. The prophets were silent for 400 years. That's a dreadful combination. Some people thought that God had forgotten them. But I want you to know that the king of heaven never forgets a promise. Fast forward 500 of your years and I get my next assignment. I'm sent to a a simple priest by the name of Zacharias. He's a godly man with a godly wife, and they're well advanced in years, but they have no children. Blameless, yet barren. And they live with that obvious contradiction every day of their life. Every day was filled with heartache and misery and the shame that went along with a situation like that. People felt that they had greatly sinned, and God was cursing them. But I had good news for Zacharias. While he was serving in the temple all alone, I appeared to him. And he was struck with fear. His heart was gripped with terror. I get that a lot. I mean, there's no way I can warn these people. I can't text them and say, you know, hashtag angel coming. (laughs) Zacharias, don't be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth is going to bear you a son, and you will call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice at his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to touch wine or fermented drink, but he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And many of the people will he turn back to the Lord their God. He will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. Your son will go forward before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah, and he will prepare all the people for the coming. The coming of the Messiah. Now I like old Zach. (laughs) And, you know, in his defense, he was still frightened. And I dumped a lot on him. But the guy didn't believe the word of God. How can I be sure? I'm old. (laughs) A statement of doubt. And an excuse. I'm old. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. He sent me here to give you good news. And my word is true. 
Occasionally I use the angel voice. <laughs> because you did not believe God's word, you will have no words of, words of your own, Zachariah. And you won't be able to speak until the baby is born. One thing I've noticed about you humans, you have a tough time believing God's word unless there is some other means of encouragement. You call the difficulties of life trials and irritations. We call them incentives. Means of encouragement to get your eyes back on God. My next assignment came only six months later. I was sent to a small village in the lower Galilee called Nazareth to a young woman, barely a woman, a virgin by the name of Mary. I was so excited for this assignment. The promise made long ago in the garden was about ready to be fulfilled. The seed of the woman soon would be born. So I appeared to Mary. And guess what? She was troubled. But Mary was, I think, more troubled by my announcement than my appearance. Mary, do not be afraid. You found favor with God. The Lord is with you. And you will conceive and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. I basically quoted to Mary the Davidic covenant. The very words that she would have heard almost every Sabbath day in her local synagogue. She knew that that meant she would be the mother of the Messiah. And her response is classic. How will this be? So different than Zachariah. Zachariah says, how can I be sure this will happen? Mary says, how is this going to happen? One was a question of doubt. The other, a question of curiosity. One, a question of poor theology. Another, a question of basic human biology. I'm a virgin. How will this happen? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. So the holy thing born to you, the holy one born to you, will be called the Son of God. Elizabeth, your relative, she's old and she's having a baby. Mary, I want you to know this. Nothing is impossible with God. That's the story of Christmas. I mean, if God can pull off the virgin birth, he can do anything else. When Daniel received God's word, he was confused. When Zacharias received God's word, he doubted. When Mary received God's word, she believed. And that's why she is blessed. I am your servant. Do to me just as you said. I'm sure Mary had no idea of all the difficulties and trials that she would face in life, as well as the joys, the hardship, the lies, the ruined reputation. 
But she would be the mother of God, blessed because she believed. Mary, she was going to experience a lot. Mary, did you know that your baby would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you
So an angel told Joseph that the child Mary had within her was indeed divine. So Joseph quickly took Mary as his wife, and the two of them began to endure life, to endure the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune together. What, you thought he came, with that, came up with that on his own? It was about, well, less than a year I had my next assignment. Mary and Joseph had to travel down to Bethlehem by order of the Roman government for a census. They made the 80-mile trip down there together. And while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn, a son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. No room for them in the inn because of the census. No room for them in the town filled with their relatives because of the scandal a woman pregnant before she's married. We were sent to a small group of shepherds out in the fields of Bethlehem. Living Word, book of Hebrews. When God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels worship him. And just like at creation, here was another monumental event where all the angels showed up. And what a celebration that was. While the shepherds were watching their flocks in the night, an angel of the Lord appeared before them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were of course, terrified. But I said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. I brought good news to Daniel that the Messiah was coming. Good news to Zacharias that he would have a son preparing the way for Messiah. Good news to Mary that she would carry Messiah. And now good news, he is born. I bring you good news of great joy for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And soon the heavens filled with that whole company of angels singing and praising God, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men with whom his favor rests. And then we went up into the heavens and continued the celebration for a very long time. Well, since the first Advent, we have been very busy. As I said, angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation. When you believe in Christ, the angels are there. We rejoice. Living Word, Book of Luke, Chapter 15, the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents. When you have dangerous times and difficulty, we're there as guardian angels. He commands his angels to guard you and keep you in all your ways. In the book of Matthew 18, even the little ones have angels. 
And their angels in heaven always see the face of the Father in heaven to guard, to protect, and to fight your battles. Now, to be true, most of our work is done without your notice. We rarely appear just for those big events. But we're working, nonetheless, behind the scenes, fighting your battles, keeping you safe, accomplishing the will of God on your behalf. We serve you. And when you die, living word, book of Luke, like the beggar who was carried by the angels into paradise, so we become divine pallbearers to assist you, transferring from this place to the place of glory. Now I remind you that the one who came at first advent is coming again. And when he comes, it will be an advent of judgment. Book of Thessalonians. When Jesus is revealed in blazing fire with his powerful angels to punish those who don't know God and those who will not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the angels who have the horrible task of revealing the wrath of God in bowls and plagues. But when Christ comes again, it's for salvation. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God and the angels will go out to the four corners of the earth and bring in God's elect so that they will forever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. We bring salvation. And finally, when he comes again, it will start the greatest worship service that has ever been known. That's the thing we do best, worship, book of the Revelation. And I heard in heaven the singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Worthy are you, O God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and for your pleasure they are and were created. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000 circled around the throne and singing with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and wisdom and riches and strength and glory and honor and blessing. Then I looked, and I saw every creature in heaven and on earth, and every creature everywhere, saying to the one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory forever. <laughs> 